You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Matt, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Such an honor to have you on the program. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Looking forward to it. I am fascinated with something that happened in your life. And I'm just going to read this. You said in 2009, God called you to raise up an army of artists to reveal his glory in the earth. And since then, you moved from Atlanta to Asheville, North Carolina, started a thriving art business, wrote seven books, hosted conferences around the world, and started an online artist mentoring program with 2,000 members to help them thrive spiritually artistically, and in business. What a slacker you are, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I I would love to find out what happened prior to 2009 when you got this mandate. Let's talk about it. And before that, maybe a little of your backstory, please. Yeah. So again, thanks for having me on. I grew up in middle Georgia in Columbus, Georgia. Both of my parents were creatives. My mom was a Methodist choir director slash high school music teacher. And so I grew up with a lot of creativity, started playing piano when I was five, singing before that probably. And so wow. that was creativity was always a big part of, of my journey. And I think a lot of her dreams for me, my mom's dreams for me as well was that I would step into that in, in some way. So, you know, I, I think I, I learned early on, of course, in retrospect, you can see this just like God has an incredible plan for your life. You know, so does the enemy and mm. um, to steal and kill and destroy and can, confuse and get you off base and and keep you in that wounded place. And so while I was going to church and doing everything I knew to, to be close to the Lord and walking with Him, and our family, like a lot of fam- most families, were dealing with our own set of woundedness, both individually and as a family unit. And so my parents were fighting a lot as uh, a young teen and, and you know, in, in my middle teenage years. And I call it the perfect storm. About the time I was 11 or 12 years old, my piano teacher passed away unexpectedly. Um, nobody told me that she passed away. I just stopped going. And it actually, I had this trauma response where I couldn't read music anymore. And it was, I still don't actually, I play by ear. But uh, that happened. My granddad died pretty soon after that. And then the weekend that my granddad died, I ended up being sexually abused by a family member that went on for many years oh my. Um, as a young and, and middle teen. And so it really kind of set me up for a lot of confusion in my life. Of On one hand, loving Jesus, being up at the church all the time. I started leading worship when I was 14, feeling a call to ministry, all of that. And yet having this other side of my life that, of course, in the South, in the mid 80s, we don't talk about these things, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. everything's fine. And so I, I really learned to sort of live this double life of, of coping the best way I knew how manipulation and control became a part of that pornography became a part of that and really and performance really in the church became a part of that. And so by the time I got to college and then, you know, entered into my young married life and now a young man in ministry with with a wife and all that, I was just a mess and just doing the best that I knew how to survive, but was really, really wounded, extremely talented on on one end and, and able to kind of perform for Jesus, if you will, but at the same time, really doing everything I could to cover up any sort of what seemed like weakness and and uh, not enoughness, if you will. And that went on in my life for, I would say, until about 
2001, 2002, and the Lord introduced my wife and I both to a couple in our church at that point, Jim and Pat Banks, who really just were the first people that I had ever been able to to look at in my life and and have them say, Matt, how are you really doing? Like beyond the everything's fine, like how are you really doing? Yeah. And the Lord used them in our life over the next, you know, where they're still using them in our life. They're like our parents now, but <laughs> God used them as an impetus of healing in in my life to begin to understand what it meant to allow the Lord to go into the deep places of your heart, heal those broken places so that you can walk really in a healthy identity as a son, not as an orphan and not as somebody that's fearful of being not enough. And so really from 2001 to 2009, I was kind of on a journey of healing, of trying to find myself, of trying to feel emotions again, of trying to figure out what the kingdom was and what life was like, you know, with this sort of new understanding of of what God wanted for me. And by the time 2009 came around, I had been in ministry, quit ministry. I had opened a, a marketing company in Atlanta that had done really well. But then when the economy crashed, as we all remember back in 2007, we lost that business. And I floundered for a couple of years just trying to figure out, you know, what is next and was just trying to figure out, God, what do I do in this next season? I was feeling through leaders in my life and my wife and I just kind of feeling this sense of God's not done with us. You know, just because we walk through some junk doesn't mean that the calling is gone. He's just, yeah. he's just preparing us, you know, for the next thing. And so I was applying for worship pastor jobs. I was doing all this kind of stuff. And I, I remember I applied for this church up in Connecticut and uh, they'd flown us up there a couple of times. And, and uh, we were thinking we were going to move up there, huge church and great salary and all this kind of thing. And the Lord just kept asking me, he said, is this your DNA? Hmm. It wasn't a yes or a no. And I'm, I'm sure you've been in that frustration. It's like, God, would you just tell me what to do? Why would you just give me the golden scroll, you know, (laughs) to float down here? But I find, you know, for all of us, as we walk in maturity in the kingdom, it's less and less yes and no. And it's more, what do you want? What do you, what do you feel like is the next thing? Because God's given us permission as sons to, he's going to bless me if I go left. He's going to bless me if I go right. And he's trying to helped me to get in touch, I think, with my unique design. And so as I did, I ended up turning down that job. And I was, I remember sitting in a parking lot in Northwest Metro Atlanta and had just turned that down. Had lost a job I had just kind of in a frustrated place. And I was like, God, what am I going to do now? You know, like, you know, <laughs> we had, we had a, our son had just been born not too long before that. And just was frustrated, you know, could not figure it out. And I think that was my bottom moment of frustration. Like I had done all the striving I could. I'd done all the trying to figure it out I could. And the Lord said to me, I want you to go home and lay on the floor and worship me. And your provision is going to come like popcorn. And I was like, well, that makes no sense. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what is that? But I think all of us that have walked through difficulty with the Lord and he a healing journey with the Lord, you kind of come to the place, and this is where I was, you kind of come to the place of like, you know what? I don't understand this, but there's a whole lot I hadn't understood. I just got to trust Jesus and go and do what he says. Yeah. So I went home and told my wife and we were in agreement. And so she'd go to work and I would literally get up and go down to my studio in the basement of our house and worship and pray and soak in his presence and listen for God's voice. And it was in the middle of that season that 
the Lord began to, I, I think, really recalibrate my heart and vision for all that he has for me in these last, you know, 10 or 12 years. But it was in the middle of that season that I guess it was February 2009. I was dead asleep and two mornings in a row at 3.09 in the morning, I was awakened with this song by worship leader Jason Upton, the Lion of Judah song, which mm. many listeners may may know. And it's got this line in, you know, raise up an army, raise up an army. This was just churning in my spirit. And the second morning, I kind of realized, okay, like this is the same thing, same time. I need to get up and ask the Lord what this is about. And I went down to my studio and uh, just opened up Joel 3.9 at 3.09 in the morning. It says, go to the nations, gather the warriors and the weaklings, raise up an army and all of this. And I was like, God, what is this like? Military? Kind of like, what is this this about? You know? And he said, Matt, I've called you as a father to artists to go to the nations and raise up an army of artists to reveal my glory in the earth. I think for me, that was so crazy that he would call me a father to artists because at that point in my life, that was the biggest area of weakness, the biggest area of woundedness, the biggest area of feeling ill-equipped mm-hmm. that I had. That I had, And yet, just like Gideon, right, God's always speaking to that prophetic potential and design inside of us. And that really was what spawned the journey that, that we've been on ever since. So, Tell me the words he said to you again, please. Yeah. He said, you're a father to artists. And I want you to go to the nations and raise up an army of artists to reveal my glory in the earth. Those words to you were so far-fetched at the moment, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. No context for it at all. Yeah. And I think this is instructive with respect to what you just stated, that God uses our area of weakness to show us where we're actually called to be strong and where he's called us into. Is that fair? Absolutely. Because I think it's it's in that moment that we realize— I think I realized in my own weakness that I am in, in him, I am enough, that in him, I can walk in the things that he's called me to, even though I feel like I can in my own strength, you know? And mm-hmm. so you're learning that place of symbiosis with the Lord of I'm bringing what I have. He's, he's you know, infusing me with all of him and using this really intimate and delicate place inside of me of, of radical trust to say, listen, if you can just stay in that place, I can use this in your life in ways that you would you never thought possible. Mm, yeah. Well, after the shock of hearing this, how did you handle that going forward? What happened? I'm just kind of a gritty person in that I just keep getting up and, and trying again and doing it again. You know, uh-huh. so I just ended up uh, staying up all that morning. But the next few mornings, the Lord just continued to wake me up and to speak to me in my soaking times with him and just kind of begin to unfold this vision. And so as I began to share it with my wife, I, I really, again, had no clear clue about what this was going to look like. Like I I was thinking, okay, does this mean, uh, God forbid, are we going to plant a church? I don't, <laughs> Jesus, please don't ask me to plant a church. You know? <laughs> but are we supposed to plant a church for artists? And so what I just did, what I knew to do, which was I shared it with my wife, and then we gathered a couple of couples who we knew were prophetic, who heard the Lord, who were dear friends of ours and and loved us and wanted God's best for our life. And we just began to get together in our basement and pray on Mm. a regular basis and listen for what we felt like was the Lord. And within about two months of that time, God began to build out what this may look like, that it was going to be artists, but healing was going to be a, a big part of it, that 
God wasn't just raising up more talented orphans, but he was raising up an army of of sons and daughters. And we began to kind of see what this was, would be like. And a couple of months later, I was sitting in my study and I was flipping through a newspaper and I saw an ad for a Christian art gallery in our area, which I had, I didn't even know there was such a thing. Mm-hmm. And the Lord just said to me, just as clearly as the whole raise up an army of artists, he said, you need to go uh, meet that lady that's running that gallery. And I'm like, okay, okay. And he's like, no, like now, like you need to go now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get, I told Tanya, I was like, uh, we got to go meet my wife is named Tanya. I said, we got to go meet this lady. So we drive 20 minutes. We go up to this studio and, and I walk in and I just like, Hey, I'm Matt. And like, Oh, are you an artist? And I'm like, well, God's called I mean, how pretentious is this? God's called me to raise up an army of artists. Did you say that? I did. And she flipped around and looked at me and said, what did you say? And I repeated myself and she said, she just started tearing up. She said, 14 years ago, God told me that I was going to be a part of raising up an army of artists. Come on, Matt. And I've never heard anybody else say that before. And about that time, somebody walked in and we agreed that we need to kind of get together and have a longer discussion. So we we got together and a couple of weeks later, and I went up there and was just telling her the story, just like I'm telling you, just kind of laying it all out there and trying to be as humble and real as I can <laughs> be. And, you know, I don't have it all figured out. And she stopped me in the middle of it. She said, Matt, we've been praying as a gallery and an artist here. And she said, we believe that, that God's called you to this and we want to be a part of this. And she said, so much so, and she reached in her pocket and pulled out some keys. She said, we want to give you this art gallery. Whoa. And I said, what? She, she said, this art gallery was given to me uh, by a woman who believed in what we were doing. And we want to give this art gallery to you. We want to come into what you're doing. And we believe that that this is the timing. I literally left that meeting with the keys to a building. And I was like, what in the, like, what, like, do I have to have it? Do we have insurance? Like, am I liable for this? You know, what's going on? And I couldn't, of course, I could not get anybody on the phone. And my wife was at work. My mom was, I don't know where (laughs) she was. And I was just like, so I finally got my friend Lynn on the phone, who one of the people that was praying with us, you know, in our, our circle of friends. Mm-hmm. I said, Lynn, this lady gave us an art gallery. And oh my gosh. And she said, oh. and she said, Matt, is it a white cottage? And I said, yeah. She said, does it have shutters and a little thing on the, and she started describing the building exactly. And I was like, Lynn, what do you know this building? She said, no, but she said, seven years ago, the Lord showed me this building in a dream. And she said that I was, and he said that I was going to be a part of healing the hearts of artists in this building. What a mind blow, Matt. I mean, so it was, <laughs> wow. I could go on and on, but then like just these things like this, these marker moments where when you just keep saying yes to the Lord and taking those steps, he just continues to show up and, and blow you away. And so that's been, continues to be my whole journey of just keep walking, looking for the clues listen for his voice. And here we are all these years later. So, Man, that speaks to one of the things you mentioned with respect to the biggest lessons of this whole process. And that is God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for your yes. Yeah. Yeah. The distance between him telling you something and you saying yes, has that shortened? (laughs) (laughs) I will say yes on that. I think early on when when all of us, when you start walking with the Lord, you have this kind of golden scroll misconception, I call it, of, you know, that God's just going to float down the whole thing in, in finished format. But 
the Lord has always used that, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. So, you know, Indiana Jones and the, and the Last Crusade. I love that visual analogy of Harrison Ford about to cross over the cavern. And he looks in his book and the book says that there's a bridge there supposed to be there, but there's no bridge there. <laughs> but then he finds out that it's not until he steps that the bridge appears. Yeah. And I've just found that in my own life that I, I grew up kind of in a, with the theology of this fear of missing God, this fear of doing it wrong, this fear of you better get it right because the kingdom's on the line and you've got one life and you know, all this kind of thing. Yeah. And I've just really jettisoned that from my belief system. A friend of mine told me years ago, he said, man, it's kind of like bowling with the bumpers up. He said, you know, God wants you to get this more than you want to get it. <laughs> and, and and all of heaven is conspiring on your behalf for, to get you down the road that God's created for you. And so that's really a core belief in my life. And so it, it really rooted out, I think, fear, overwhelming fear. And and if I feel like something's from the Lord, if I'm walking in peace, if we've got prophetic confirmation, if my wife and I are in unity, we just step out and we trust God. And I think that giving God those yeses on a regular basis, it starts to accelerate, if you will, the breakthrough. Because I really believe breakthrough is not necessarily something that happens to us, but it's something that God does with us and that we can create an atmosphere of breakthrough in our life. Part of that's worship, his presence, all that. But I think being freely able to say yes to God without all the caveats helps to create that atmosphere of breakthrough and acceleration. I love that bowling with bumpers analogy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> what a paradigm shift, because I really feel what you are saying with respect to, oh, everything's on the line here. You know, if I screw yeah. up, everything's screwed up. And the Lord is looking down going, dude, I have bumpers up. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be fine. Let's move forward. I'd like to circle back on this one thought, because this is so profound to me that your area of greatest weakness, struggle, or defeat can be your greatest area of authority when you allow yeah. the Lord to heal the broken places of your heart. And that's what he called you into. Like Gideon, yeah. when you coach people, when you chat with people about this area of brokenness they may have, and then you see God calling them into that exact area as a leader, how do you coach people through that? Well, I, th I think it's this beautiful opportunity to let people know that, again, it's not about your performance. This really is about you learning to allow God to heal those broken places and not trying to strive in your own strength, but allow His grace to be the thing that's, that's moving you forward. For me, it's kind of like stones of remembrance. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. lest I get too all up into myself and and like a lot of us have the tendency to do believe your own press and, and you know mm -hmm. and, and think that you're all that you know <laughs> we ha you have to remember where god brought you from you have to remember i mean i just posted a, a facebook post the other day in our members group of some of the early artwork that i was creating years ago and i mean it was it was sad i mean <laughs> it was all i <laughs> i had back then but it was like you know what god used that that was my beginnings. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. And I think people have really appreciated my vulnerability in being able to share my moments of weakness because they realize Matt's not somebody that's got it all together. Matt's just two steps maybe ahead of us in this area. And he's just trying to show us not how not to step in the same holes yeah. that he stepped in. And 
that really, I think that DNA, you know, my spiritual parents, Jim and Pat Banks, they really, I think, wrought that into me and my wife so Mm. that we really value vulnerability and transparency and just letting people know, hey, this is this is who we are. This is what we carry. And, you know, you can do that, too. And there's such power when people start to to walk in that realization. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember years ago, I was coaching entrepreneurs. We had a program called The Ultimate Challenge. It was an eight-week program, a couple of weeks of discovery, and then every week there were conference calls with a small group of people, and it was focused on their goal, their single goal to move forward in their life, some to become public speakers, et cetera. Sure. What I discovered through that process is when I was vulnerable, just like you said, and authentic about the issues I was dealing with, Man, the doors flew open, the floodgates, and people just started getting real. So you create that whole atmosphere of authenticity, I found, just as you have, when you're authentic to begin with. Yeah, it releases freedom in the culture of whatever you're doing. And I think that's where people are then free to really thrive as in who God's called them uh, to be. Yeah, absolutely. Another point that you mentioned, Matt, is... You said that the abundant life Jesus promised is directly related to your willingness to embrace your unique design. So somebody listening may say, ah, I've got these passions, these desires, but I'm not real clear on my unique design. How does someone dig into that and connect that with their calling? Most of the time, I think that the big hangup for people is that they know what makes them unique and they know the, the passions and desires and vision that God's given them. But because it doesn't fit the narrative of what they feel like is an okay or approved of Mm -hmm. (laughs) pursuit for them in their life, whether that be in ministry or business or whatever, then they end up judging that before it ever gets a chance to actually manifest in their life. So good. And so we see so many of the artists that I have the privilege of working with are people who are coming back to their creativity after a career, after kids are gone, after working a bunch of dead-end jobs that they hated, and this thing just won't leave them. Their art, it just keeps nagging them. And I I believe that's the design of God saying, hey, I'm still here. There's still (laughs) an invitation, you know, if you you want to take me up on this. And people often joke that when they, like artists, for example, they come into our mentoring program and they talk about this supernatural avalanche of abundance that just kind of hits them of like, all of a sudden, People started calling me for my art or I started selling things or I started making money or these opportunities opened up. And they're like, all of a sudden, like God got in a good mood. And I'm like, no, that's not what's (laughs) happening. You're finally in your life coming into alignment with God's original design for your life. When you do, that then opens up the resources, relationships, opportunities, the favor of God to be able to flow in your life. I think it's, you know, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom uh, of God, his righteousness, and what all these things will be added unto you. And I think the context in, when I, in which I guess we have to, to seek the kingdom of God is in the context of how he's designed us. And that's not selfish and that's not psycho Bible. That's realizing that hmm. we've been wonderfully, wonderfully and uniquely formed by God with a purpose, on purpose. And as we come into agreement with that, agreement always opens the door for whatever we're agreeing with to flow in our life. And we can either agree with the enemy's plan, we can agree with striving, or we can agree with the flow of the kingdom. And everything that that I try to do in my life in coaching is helping people to learn how to do that through hearing God's voice, healing their heart, 
and then giving them the practical things that they need to start actually doing and in, in walking in the calling. The word you used, what's the narrative, mm. is so powerful and a point of prayer. I would suggest whoever's listening to this to look at your desires, journal them out, and then look at the narrative and say, Lord, what narrative am I hearing about yeah. this? And yeah. ask the Lord to identify that for you and see where there's just a total misalignment and a lie or lies that you may be believing right. about that. That's right. Another point here you mentioned is that acceleration happens as you steward well what God has entrusted to you. And you just touched on that with the people that are saying, hey, I'm getting calls. People want to look at my yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dig into that just a little bit more. How do people move into that space? Is that just more of just saying yes and then discarding the old narrative and believing the truth about what's going on really in their heart of hearts? I, I really believe, you know, what Paul said in Romans 12, that we can't conform to the pattern of this world, the way that everybody else does life, you know, but mm. we've got our transformation happens through the renewing of our minds. As we learn to think differently in alignment with God's truth for our life, that begins then to fundamentally transform how we see the world and how we show up in the world. And so that for me is the basis for everything I believe in. I have, I have five R's that I talk about. Recognize, is this the truth or is this a lie? If it's a lie, repent, number two. Replace, number three, with the truth of God's word. Number four, reinforce that at every turn, every time the enemy comes up and tries to throw it in your face. And then number five, rejoice in the truth and your new normal, that God has given you everything you need, that all the promises of his word. And so as that becomes the place from which you operate in the world, you begin to have confidence and faith to begin to say, be able to say yes. Now, mm. as you say yes, I think the parable of the stewards, you know, Matthew 25 is probably the gold standard, I would say, of, of stewardship and, and realizing that you were faithful with little. And then Jesus said in that parable, you've been faithful with little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. And you see in that parable, there's a guy that gets the five talents. One gets two, one gets one. The interesting thing about the guy with five talents, he's the only one in that story that where it says he went quickly mm -hmm. to do something with the money. And so I think you can learn, obviously, when you've been given a lot and as you are growing, you realize you got to respond quickly. I also think it's interesting when you look at the guy with just one talent, the reason that he went to hide the talent that he had been given was if you read that story, it says he came running to Jesus at the end and saying, I knew you to be a hard man. In other words, I knew this was too good to be true. I knew that I couldn't measure up. I knew that I wasn't good enough. Again, it's a mindset issue. Mm. And so I just find as we learn to walk in confidence, renew our mind to God's truth, we can begin to walk in the fullness of the kingdom. And then as we're faithful with the little that God gives us, whatever's in our hand, he will then make us ruler over much. And that's a progressive thing. That again, I think you you can speed up or decelerate depending on your willingness to say yes to him on a regular basis. So, like I said up the beginning, you've, you're such a slacker, Matt. With <laughs> 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 but I'm I'm looking at all the things that the Lord has been doing through you since '09 when you said yes to this. Seven books, conferences around the world, online artist mentoring program. You know the scripture: "My yoke is easy, my burden is light." Yeah. How? How have you, in the midst of all these things that God has accelerated in your life, been able to experience that? Well, I think, 
again, having walked through this whole thing, starting in a healing journey and sort of a jettisoning of performance. Mm -hmm. um, one of my friends and mentors in life, she's always telling me, listen, go low and slow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who said that originally. I think maybe a Heidi Baker or somebody. But I, I just, I've always loved that, you know, go low and slow. And so I just really try to be very, very comfortable with where God's got me right now and to say yes to the things that he puts on my heart. And and because I realize that if he's the one bringing it, he's the one birthing it. He's the one that's going to sustain it. And I won't have to, you know, freak out and try to strive on my in my own strength to make it happen. And so yeah. the other side of that, though, is that, you have to be a very intentional about saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. And not that the wrong things are bad, they may just be wrong for this season. Mm -hmm. And so in these last years of my life, you know, these last 10, 12 years, there's really kind of been four things I've been focused on. My marriage, my, my wife will be married almost 25 years next year. My son Cameron is 18. So, you know, being a dad to him, my own art practice, and then being a father to artists. And if it's not within those four areas, I don't really do it. And so there's there's a lot of other things I could be doing, but I choose not to do it because I want to give all of my strength and focus and, and energy, if you will, toward those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that sometimes is, is a big challenge for people, especially if you're like a lot of artists or especially like a lot of entrepreneurs or any, you know, anybody. You can have a lot of interests and things that you want to go after, but it, you really have to learn to hear God's voice in terms of, is this God for me right now in this season? And if I say yes to this, what else am I saying no to intentionally so that I'm making space in my life for the things that, that God has for me now? What do you find, Matt, as one of the biggest pieces of advice that you tend to share with people consistently? I'm a big, big, big believer in journaling. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know that may sound like, is that advice? Well, <laughs> I, I really try to center my life around hearing God's voice and around having ongoing encounters with Him. And for me, taking time in the mornings, early with the Lord, journaling, you know, really like listening prayer, as, as I think Leanne Payne is the one that coined that phrase, you know, just this idea of I'm going to pray, but I'm also going to be actively listening as Mm -hmm. as well and using that my journal as sort of this not only cathartic experience to pour out my heart to the Lord, but also to record what I feel like it is the Holy Spirit saying. That ongoing conversation for me, I think has been pivotal, continues to be as well. And I just I tell people all the time, our world is too fast and too performance driven. And you can get out there and do a whole bunch of stuff that he never asked you to do. And you, then you, I think we get into that situation of asking God to bless our mess as opposed to, <laughs> like Jesus said, I just do the things I, I see the Father do. Yeah. That's my heart. And I think that is where you separate striving from cooperating. You know, cooperating is, hey, Jesus, good morning. I'm here. I got all the stuff you put in <laughs> mm -hmm. inside of me, all the things that I've have, you know, power over in my life. And now, God, I'm bringing that to you as my loaves and fishes today. And how do you want to use this? How can my yes come into agreement with what you want to do? And invariably, he does 10 times more, not only quantitatively, but also with speed <laughs> that I could that I could ever do just trying to make it happen myself. So, For sure. 
Yeah. That, that's the place of rest because striving, I think, is all about you taking the weight of the decisions and the making it happen and the performance on yourself. Whereas agreement with God and rest is all about agreement with him and letting him take the weight of that. That's so good, Matt. How can people find out more about you and get in touch with you? Yeah. If you go to matttommymentoring.com, that's sort of our hub. All of my books are there, of course, as well on Amazon and that sort of thing. But our mentoring program, my podcast, which is called the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast, all the links are right there and would invite everybody to, to take a look. Great. As we finish up here, we'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Yeah. Father, thank you that you have designed each one of us so uniquely. God, with a purpose and on purpose to reveal and release your glory and your image in the world. God, thank you that you've called us not as slaves, not as orphans, God, but as sons and daughters, ambassadors, God, ones who who carry your glory and reflect and reveal your image in the earth. God, I pray that as people are listening today, Lord, that you would so resonate inside their heart the beauty of their uniqueness, the way that you've designed them, God, so that as an artist, Lord, even if they don't consider themselves an artist, Lord, they would learn how to come into agreement with your design for their life, to see and agree with what you're doing in the earth and be able to express that uniquely through whatever it is that you call them to do. Lord, I speak blessing in favor, resources, relationship, opportunities for every person listening as they do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Loved your story. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.